live from Columbia, Missouri, this is The Hot Corner with your hosts, Patrick Harrion, Michael Imami, and Logan Franz. One hour of nonstop sports starts right now. And good afternoon, Columbia, and welcome to another edition of The Hot Corner. I'm your host, Patrick Harrion. Alongside me is Michael Imami and the Logan France. It is Saturday, September 25th, the year of our Lord, 2021. It's the second time this semester we've been on KCU Sports Saturday. And guys, well, we've got a lot of things to talk about today. It's another college football Saturday, so expect to hear nothing but the game of good old college football. We've got... Some sad things to break down first before we get started here. And we're going to go straight into it. So, Mizzou, Boston College. Thoughts, gentlemen? Um, they. I feel like they played better than I expected Missouri to. Obviously, they still didn't get the outcome that um, some may have wanted. But I think they still played all right. The interceptions were back-breaking. They were, um, both of them seemed like kind of ill-advised throws to me by Basilak. But, I mean, I'm... I come out still seeing the same problems we've seen for the past couple weeks. That run defense is just not good, not good at all. And other than that, they had a pretty solid game, but there's still a lot of problems with that defense. Yeah, a couple of things stick out here against Boston College. Number one, uh, I mean, you let an unranked team put 41 points against you. I know it went into overtime, but that's still largely unacceptable. And, Logan, as you said, the run defense was atrocious. Pat Garwo, 175 yards on the ground on 25 carries, two touchdowns. Uh, Dennis Grozel, 35 yards, Sinkfield, 33 yards, and Levy, 32 yards. So overall, a massive, massive, massive breakdown on the running game. Dennis Grozel, 175 yards passing, and two touchdowns, one interception on the day. Uh, that overall is largely unacceptable, although all they did was really run. Bayslack with a solid performance with 303 yards. As you said, Logan, those two interceptions were not great. And then Tyler Beatty. 72 yards on the ground, so not a bad day for him either. But largely, again, the big problem today, the defense. Yeah, the defense has been the running issue with this team. And, you know, I've, I've watched... I've watched a lot of college football in my life, and some might say it's unhealthy. And it's unhealthy for me to sit on the couch for 12 hours every Saturday and watch so many games. Hey, you do and, you. <coughs> excuse me. I look over at this, at this defense, and it's like, you know, the corners aren't bad. The corners have potential. They're, they they do get burned, yes, because every corner gets burned at some point in the game. But, you know, seeing Sean Robinson make an interception there in the beginning of the game, that was nice. And there's so much potential in that part. But then you look at that that front. Linebacking core. Also. It is it is abysmal. It is inexcusable. Now, granted, Boston College is not a bad team. People are talking, saying Boston College was some terrible ACC school. They're not. They're not. No. And everyone needs to get that in their heads right now. They are not a bad team. They are a great run, run offense team, and you've seen it throughout the entire season. And you know, people saying, "Well, I did not expect them to put this much yards out there," but that's what they do. They're a running team. If and if you go against a team like Mizzou that has such a terrible run defense, it's going to be bad. Everyone knows it's going to be bad. So why are people surprised? Yeah, and I think I mentioned it on the show. If not, I've mentioned it off the show to you guys. But this defense really does miss Nick Bolton, and obviously replacing him, we have um, Blaze Aldridge, but you know what? He just doesn't bring the same fire that Nick Bolton brought. Yeah, See what I did there? Uh, yeah. Blaze. Don't, don't, don't try to explain the joke. Well, no one was saying anything. I had to, I had to do something. But yeah. He the, just, 
you can go just, just can go, we, can we just move go. on? Yeah, can we move on? Because that was ridiculous. Uh, they opened up their season against fifty-one against Colgate, rather fifty-one nothing, basically blanking Colgate, and then they allowed twenty-eight points to UMass. But again, you know, Grozel one hundred ninety-nine yards passing, and then Garwell one hundred sixty yards rushing. So that was the game against UMass. And we look at the game against Temple, in particular, with how that had worked out. Garwo held to just 49 yards and Grozel 34 yards, but they still won that game 28 to 3. So I would say, yeah, the running game has been solid, but there's a bit of a difference there. And the other thing about Boston that I like was, or that I liked in that game, they're a team that takes advantage of those opportunities defensively. I mean, I know that they allowed those that 34 points to Mizzou, but they are also terrific in terms of getting themselves revved up when they need to get revved up. They have the opportunistic style of play defensively, and so they don't just need to run the ball. They're not completely one-dimensional. They can play both sides of the ball pretty well, and they can surprise you. Yeah, they also play the same kind of game script Mizzou played for at least the first three weeks. This week was a little different, but they played that same game game script and just basically did it better than Mizzou did. Like Mizzou, through the first three games, was really relying heavily on Tyler Beatty. They were still passing pretty efficiently, but he... Tyler Beatty was kind of the engine of that offense, and that did kind of change this week, but they kind of, Boston College kind of runs a similar game script. Yeah, Boston College, you know, we, we, we talked a little bit about it on Thursday, and I can't remember off the top of my head if I picked Boston College to win. I don't recall. I think you were a homer, you said. Yeah, I was yeah, a homer, yeah. I was, I, the was one, homer. I was the only one to choose some BC, I think. I, th- I knew it would be close. I knew it, would be, I knew it was going to be a very close game. Same here. Because, you know, people are saying this is a, quote, trap game. Well, you have to be good for it to be a trap game, and Mizzou is not good, so I don't know why people are using that term. It just really, it's it's like, I don't know what it is with 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 some fans here. Like you know, you watch this team, you watch this team, you see that defense, and you know there are many red flags there, and there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And people will still sit out here, and they'll say, you know what? I think they, I think this game is a trap game. It's like, are you kidding me? Have you seen how they've played? Yeah. How can you say that? With the issues that are on this defense, and you're saying you think the team is much better than what they are, and they're not. Can yeah. I just also point out? I feel like for it to be a trap game, you have to be an underdog. Yeah. And the I mean, you can say, oh, well, no. they were Boston College was favored by one point. It's basically a pick 'em at that. No, point. they were saying it's a trap game for Mizzou. Okay. Let me let me interject. Not Boston College. Let me no, that's what I'm saying though. Boston College was favored by one. So Mizzou's the underdog. It's a trap game for them, but it's basically a 50-50 if it's a one-point spread. Okay. Let's let's slow down here. Okay. Boston College in particular, and I, I know Patrick, you're angry at the fans. The main reason why I think people look at Boston College is because of what we've been accustomed to seeing in the ACC. A team that is not Clemson, essentially. A team that is not Clemson in the ACC is a gimme. That's, that's basically that's, what – but that's the mindset any, anyone, that a lot of people who, have. Anyone who watches college football should be able to see that the ACC is not a terrible conference. It is not, but I, and I agree with you. But I'm just saying that is what a lot of people think. If it's not Clemson, it's an easy win. And that's the main thing. In the last three years with Trevor Lawrence, who is Peyton Manning 2.0, everybody focused on Clemson being the only team out there, and they were not paying attention to the other good teams in the ACC. Duke impressed at one point. And uh, so, okay. Uh, that's, that's not, okay, Michael, I was expecting you to throw out Virginia out there. Virginia, Virginia Tech was the one I was those are the, And maybe UNC. Those slightly are the three teams you should throw out there. Duke, don't throw them slightly out there. Come on. Come on, man. Daniel Jones. They were like Seriously. 500. Dude. They, they were, were still not very good. They Daniel had him there, but... Daniel Jones, God's gift to football. Okay, don't don't talk about him like that. What I'm saying is, is Miami's that, another one that's. I mean, yeah, Miami was a joke. 
They're on and off. Not last year when they went into that game against Clemson. When they went into that game against Clemson, they were that was supposed to be slated to be a good game with Derek King, and well, it, it was not. To, it was supposed to be a great game with seven-year Derek King over at uh, with with Alabama. Remember all that turned out. Listen, every, that's another that's another team that gets me a little frustrated because every year they're like Miami, they're going to be like the 2001 team, and it's like they were ranked you, nine. They were ranked nine <laughs> in that game against Clemson, and then Clemson was ranked, of course, one because it's Trevor Lawrence. They're going to blow them out. But they were ranked nine in that game. That was supposed to be the biggest game of the night. It got primetime television. Yeah, and then, and then but the Miami we all know and love showed what up. I'm the saying, same Miami that lost to Florida International. What I'm saying is the ACC has put up great teams, and they're not on the same level that Clemson is. When you think a good college football team, you think of Clemson. The truth is, is Clemson wasn't good. They were fantastic. That was the point that we're looking at. It was largely because of the duo of Lawrence and Etienne. The defense Clemson had was actually manufactured really well under Dabo Sweeney. So people underestimate and undervalue that. We're getting too used to seeing these super teams in college football, and it's driving me crazy. They don't have a concept and an understanding of what makes a foundational good college football team. They're only used to seeing one aspect of it. And that's just really, when you look at it, we look at ourselves here. We are three degenerates, okay? Yeah. We sit on our we, we, we sit on the couch for more than twelve hours on Saturdays and watch teams that no one should even watch. I, yeah. I sit and I watch Hawaii football. We were Tell um, me if you've ever met someone else who sits and watch Hawaii we're football. We're watching Fresno State. Uh, last that's what night. I was gonna say. We were yeah. watching Fresno State UNLV last so night I, until I can like see why people will look at like an ACC school and teams and people who do not don't exactly follow college football other than the top twenty five. And sit here and be like, well, they're not ranked and they're not, you know, top of the ACC, per se. <coughs> per se, you look at them and be like, well, they're terrible. And it's, you know, maybe do a little bit more research here. If you actually, if you like, don't follow college football and you're just kind of like a casual fan, the sport must look awful to you with all the like sixty point, fifty point games. Like I saw Coastal Carolina. I can't remember who they were playing. They're they playing. Put, uh, I think I believe it's uh, UMass. Today. They were playing UMass. They put like fifty up on them by the end of the third quarter. My um. I can't remember. Um, someone had a couple teams had like sixty plus two. Like you see games like that, and you must just think this sport absolutely sucks. Yeah. The other thing is, is that you can also go into watching the season a game, and if you don't know much about college football at all, you could just say, "Oh, what?" You can go into a season knowing you don't have a chance. Like even literally. if you're a pretty decent yeah, team, like Fresno yeah. State. Like I, if I'm a Fresno State fan right now, I know at the start of the season in Week One, I know there is no way in heck I'm winning the national championship. Imagine that. I mean, that, to me, that would just that would just floor well, for some, some people. Well, for some, <coughs> excuse me, for some schools, especially those in a group of five, it's more of I'm playing for a good bowl game. They know they're not going to make the national championship because the cards are stacked against them. You've seen it with Cincinnati, and I can sit on this hill and I can talk about this for hours. You know me. You know, people who have followed this show will know how much I can sit and talk about Cincinnati. I wanted to bring up the Cincinnati thing. We can talk about it a bit later. That, but that'll for, come um, up a bit later. Well, with Notre Cincinnati Dame Wisconsin, had, a, yeah. had a carrot dangled in front of them, and then they just took that away. But a lot, a lot of these group of five schools, like Fresno and Fresno State, when they go, go and play a Power 5 school, like Oregon, for example, or UCLA last weekend, they see it as a chance to say, Let's play spoiler. Let's let's uh, let's shock the world here. But those to are the, the games that are fan. to the average fan. It's like, well, these schools don't matter because they don't no, make the, they don't for, make for the top a new, four. The new fan that's watching college football and they were to go into that and they're watching a Mountain West game and they're getting attached to a Mountain West opponent because you're 
you know, you're, you like the Mountain West Conference or the school is geographically located near where you are or your parents went there or whatever, and you're watching college football the first time and someone's breaking it down and explaining to you how the national championship works, I'd be a little bit ticked off. I'd be like, okay, so this team that, you know, whatever, my, my mom or uncle or dad or brother or cousin or whatever went to that I'm rooting for now, I know going into week one does not have a chance. Does not have a chance. That's the thing about the NFL is you go into the NFL, I don't care how bad, I don't care if you're the New York Jets, you have a chance at winning the Super Bowl. I don't care if you're in baseball, if you're the Baltimore Orioles, you have a chance. Okay, maybe not. Winning the World Series. You know, hockey, you know, who's a really bad hockey team right now? Don't, um, don't go out there and say yeah, Arizona has a shot to win the Stanley Cup. Whatever. Yeah, but the thing is, is that's the difference. That's the fundamental difference. So if you have to really understand philosophically, in a lot of cases, I, I it, it is confusing because there are teams out there who say, oh, well, you should be eight. Well, you should be seven. You should be five. Rankings are the most difficult thing that I've seen happen involving sports because there's so much disagreement. I remember last year we did a little experiment here. As you guys know, I always release my rankings on my Twitter.com. Yeah, on your Twitter.com. I'll sometimes talk about them on the show. Actually, I talk about them on the show (coughs) every single time we do a Sports Saturday show. And I remember we did a little experiment here where I had Logan and Michael both try to do their own rankings. I remember they came back to me, and and they told me, they were like, this is a lot harder than it looks. Yeah. Because there are very you, you got you got to grade so many things. First you got to grade how if a team has won and how they won. If they beat a good team by a lot, if they barely beat a bad team, where does that fall? Right. Teams that were at the top of the let's say 25, they upset at number 13. How far do you bring them up and how and do you drop the 13 out? Yeah. There are so many different wild cards you got to play with this. Where do you put teams on by? Do you leave them at the spot or do you move them down? Or up even. There's some cases where they move by teams up, and that just confuses me. Yeah, yeah and you've, there's a lot of value judgments you have to make with certain wins in college football and certain losses, and there's there's a lot of factors that go into it, especially because sports is never linear. So, like, if you have a team that's 15, they beat number 13, you can swap those two, but then maybe there's a team at 14 that beat the team that you put now at 15, so you've got to kind of work with that. It's just there's a lot of different there, there, there's different a lot, value There's a lot judgments. of cards that go into this. It's it, unbelievably confusing. And especially when you when you get down to teams like, look, the top three has not changed for me at all. Alabama, Georgia, right now, A&M. We'll see how long that lasts because they're getting slaughtered 17 to nothing against Arkansas. So Going to the half. And then four and above is where things start getting interesting. Where do you put Cincinnati? Do you move Oregon from beginning of the year 13? Do you, how far do you move them down for beating Ohio State? How far do you drop Ohio State for losing to Oregon? Or how far do you drop Ohio State for playing terribly against Tulsa or another team like that? There are so many different cards you got to look into when you're doing a college football ranking where it gets confusing and it gets hard. And you got to make these decisions where it's like this team won, they did what they're supposed to do, but this team did it better, and therefore they're better than them this week at least. Yeah, and the other thing I wanted to bring up, Notre Dame, I know we've talked a lot of smack about, but... To their credit, the way they played Wisconsin today, I think they earned their spot. 41-13 to 13 victory against Wisconsin. That, to me, I, I respect you now. We t- there's a lot of discussion about them being frauds. I don't think they are at this point. Yeah, we're going to get to that. 
after the break. Before we go to break, we're going to do a little score rundown here on the Hot Corner. This is the Sports Saturday Show. So, at the top of the league, the score just came in. Western Michigan beating San Jose State 23-3. to Ball State and Toledo. Toledo going to come out with a win 20-12. Texas State losing 58-21 to against Eastern Michigan. Northern Illinois beating Maine by 13. Washington State winning by 3 over Utah with 10-23 remaining. And at the End of the fourth and halftime right now, Clemson and North Carolina State tied. You're going to want to keep your eye on that one. And another game you want to keep your eyes on here, number five, AP, number five, Iowa, losing by a touchdown to Colorado State. Illinois and Purdue down three at the half, Illinois, and halftime also, Iowa State down eight from Baylor, and Maryland up 24-9 against Kent State. And the big game of the day right now, Arkansas shutting out Texas A&M 17-0 almost at the half. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to break down some more scores and maybe talk about my rankings. Here in the Hot Corner on KCU1FM and KCU.FM. Life can be dramatic, but day-to-day relationships aren't always like you see on TV. You can help the young people in your life work through the drama by engaging them in conversations about healthy relationships. Use Connect With Me activity cards to start discussions on this subject and other topics that matter to teens. Visit health.mo.gov connect to access these free cards and resources. A message from the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. Check out my new time machine. Does it work? Hit the button. <laughs> Hey, it's Napoleon. Oui. Check out the future. Hey, you have a nice house. Why don't I? You didn't save any money, buddy. If only there was a way I could go back in time and fix that. Yeah. Save something for the future. Put away a few bucks. Feel like a million bucks. For free ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. It was a nice Saturday in the park if you're a Notre Dame fan out in Chicago, where the I don't the Shamrock Classic is what they're calling it was being played down at Soldier <laughs> Field on the lakefront. Notre Dame destroying Wisconsin and proving that Wisconsin is as usual a fraud. So, what do you guys got to say about this game? Because there's a lot of implications that are going to come down, especially next weekend, as Logan has hinted a little bit. Cincinnati and Notre Dame going potentially be the big game of next week probably the most important game of the season for both teams yeah there was a part of me that wanted Notre Dame to win this game just so that people can because there was some legitimate questions we had about Notre Dame going into this week and I was hoping they would win this game against Wisconsin so when Cincinnati plays them next week if they're able to beat them there is no question about this whole oh Cincinnati can't hang with the blue blood type of um, narrative that's been going around the past year or so so I mean, that was my t- that was my take on that. I think Notre Dame played really well. I think it was their best game of the season, yeah. and I think that they. I, I mean, we were talking about them as a fraud a couple of weeks ago. I think they've proved most of us wrong. Absolutely, I completely agree. And then Jack Cohn going down in the game. They had the backup in there, Drew Pine, with an injury, and he came out, and they came right back off of the ensuing kickoff when uh, Wisconsin had scored to take the lead. Notre Dame came right back, scored a touchdown on the kickoff. So this is a team, and yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Brian Kelly as a person, but I will give him this as a head coach. He's done a fantastic job with his program over there. He's proved, who's proved me wrong this season. I personally believe that after the game against Florida State, he got his guys together and he said, you know what, we cannot play like this continuously. And, and then get they away did it again it. the following weekend. And against they Toledo. did it again the following week against Toledo. But you know what, they opened things up the third week, and now in the fourth week, 41-13 victory over a. <laughs> 
very, very highly ranked and sought after opponent being Wisconsin, ranked 18. Wisconsin. A little high, in my opinion. <clears throat> Wisconsin but. is a team. They're they're playing in the wrong era. You watch Wisconsin, like you you go back to week one, Wisconsin Penn State, and you went back 50 years ago to 1960s, three yards in the cloud of dust, Big Ten football, and you look at they really, were scoreless at the half. Yeah, it is. Yeah. When you watch Wisconsin play, you're just looking at a team that's like, you're in the wrong era. And Notre Dame's not that team. And you saw a little bit of it this in this game. First half was abysmally boring. It was terrible. Yeah. Like, it was at a point where usually on, on Saturdays I switch through a lot of games. And I'll switch through the Fox game. I'll switch through a couple ESPN games. And if I'm a little bit of a degenerate, I switch to the uh, Mountain West FCS FS1 game that's going on. And you look at, at this game. And it's like, you know, why did it start off so poorly? And it's just bad. You know, they com- they had 180 yards combined at the half. Yeah, and the other thing I wanted to bring up, Graham Wisconsin Mertz. had 80 yards at the half. 80 yards. 18 for 41 passing. Graham Mertz. 240 he's, he's yards, one touchdown, four picks. Okay. Ches Malusi, if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, 18 carries, 54 yards, averaging three yards per carry. Jordan Berger, excuse me, Jalen Berger, I apologize. One carry, eight yards, average of eight yards per carry. John Chanal, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, three carries, seven yards. I mean, I can go down this list, and I can literally look at the running game. I can look at the passing game. The stats don't lie. It was a terrible game for Wisconsin. I am surprised they even led at one point. The only thing that sticks out is the 240 yards passing because that's that's it's a decent amount of yards to rack up in a game if it equated a solid completion percentage, which it doesn't because he had 41 attempts at passing and threw four of those interceptions. So, as you said, Wisconsin just not doing anything right in this game other than what happened in the first half. And I think that was honestly a little bit due to luck, I would say. Can I bring up another stat in this game? Yeah, go ahead. Notre Dame had a total of three rushing yards. Three. Kyron Williams had 18 carries for 33 yards, and then they had a lot of guys who lost yards, like Jack Cohn, for example, nine for negative 19. Pine two for negative sixteen. Nine for negative nineteen rushes his longest run was eight yards. And actually um Pine here is two had two (laughs) rushes for negative sixteen. His longest was negative three. It's a defense. So it's the defense of Notre Dame that has been largely the thing that has been talked about going into the season, not the offense. And the offense kind of impressed today, but forty seriously, thirty one points in the fourth quarter to Wisconsin's three. This game was close until that point. Wisconsin did have the lead, as we had talked about, but an absolutely abysmal fourth yeah, quarter out of the Badgers. I'm not. I'm not really surprised because if you watch some Wisconsin, you can tell they're not the same Wisconsin team that made it to the Big Ten championship all those years. And ago. they're 18 ranked in and the country, be. and that and is I, a disaster. I, I had them at 17. I left them at 17 because they went out of bye last week. <coughs> oh, excuse me. And I, I, I hadn't really looked at that much because I looked at. At their loss to Penn State, it's like yeah. it's Penn State. Penn State's a Big Ten East front runner because Ohio State. I don't know what to think of them anymore. Yeah, they're a front runner for that division. So it's really like you look at this loss; it's not bad. And then you see the loss today, and you say, you know what? Maybe I should have taken that Penn State loss a little more seriously, right? Because maybe there are holes in this team. But then again, that would also go into the factor here of then why did Penn State only score score seventeen points or whatever against Wisconsin? Yeah. 
So there's many things that go into that when you look at this ranking, and that's why I kept them at 17. Yeah. Because I didn't think they were that bad until today. When you yeah. got Burtz out there at quarterback, he is terrible. He is bad, and he needs to go. Yeah. You cannot have him out there. Yeah. And, you know, as you said, it's, it's perfectly spo- it's perfectly well spoken in the wrong era. And, you know, I'm not sure four interceptions flies in any era, Patrick. I mean, that's no, that, that, that that's abysmal. That should not work anywhere. And, and I don't care how good the defense is. <laughs> I, you know, that that is unacceptable. If I'm the head coach, that is unacceptable. And seriously, by God, 18 for 41 yards pass, 41 attempts, excuse me, passing. I mean, that is horrendous. Yeah, it, it is. When you're looking at that at that game, it's it's not good. But as Logan talked about a little bit, 43 percent completion percent. We're, we're going to look now into the future a little bit. Next weekend on NBC because Notre Dame has a specific deal with NBC for whatever reason. It'll be Cincinnati and Notre Dame. And I know I don't know if we'll be on next weekend because I believe Mizzou plays at home, and that really changes things up for other reasons beyond being on radio. I would say sometimes we're not fit to be on radio during game days. So what are your predictions on this game? Because this game, for me, is one of the biggest games of the season. Later on that weekend, too, Old Miss-Alabama is another game you're going to want to watch. Because remember last year with Old Miss? They, they scored a lot of points in that Alabama defense, and they exposed them. So those are the two games you're going to want to keep your eyes on for next week. I mean, you can also talk if Arkansas holds on here against Texas A&M, they're going to play Georgia as well. So there's a lot of there's three big games, in my opinion, most important one for college football in general. Next weekend is is Cincinnati and Notre Dame. So I want to hear your guys' predictions on on that game. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot of implications, just those two teams being, I, I don't know exactly where Notre Dame was ranked this week, but I feel like they could sneak into the, weren't they 15? On the only rankings that matter, Notre Dame was ranked 12th. Okay, they were ranked 12th. So they, and the, on the only rankings that matter, meaning my own. I figured that. But I don't remember where they were in the AP poll, but maybe they sneak They're into 12. the... They're 12. They are 12 there as well? Yeah. Okay. So maybe they sneak into the top 10 there, and then you're seeing two top 10 teams depending on where they put Cincinnati after being on bye if they end up having to move them down. We'll have to see what happens there. But I... I, I was I mentioned it just a little bit earlier about how it's kind of their chance to prove that they can hang with one of the Blue Bloods, and I wonder where it what implications it has for the college football playoffs if they do win that game. Because I feel like winning a game like that puts other people on notice. If you win a marquee matchup like that one, even if you were a team that was kind of counted out previously or whatever, that that type of win puts people on notice. It, it should show the committee that, hey, maybe you should take the Cincinnati team for real this time. Last year, you didn't. Last year, you let Florida stay at number seven after getting slaughtered by Alabama. You didn't change anything that way. But Cincinnati got went down a spot for winning. So maybe now is when you look at a team and you see, let's say they beat <coughs> Notre Dame by a touchdown. Are you going to start judging Notre Dame by saying, well, they're really not that great? Is that going to be the excuse? Or are you, or are you going to say, is Cincinnati an, actually, an actual good team this year? Because it's time for the committee to look. Because this is the last year that they can really not take them seriously until they go into the Big 12. Whenever that, I believe it's 2024 or maybe even next year, whenever that bid comes true is when you have to start taking them for real. This 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 year might be the year they did to say they just pull a UCF and say, you know what, that's just a freak win because it's you're in the American Conference. Okay, well, then what happened last year? Like, they did the exact same thing. This kind of feels to me like 
I guess you could say Desmond Ritter's last stand where he's kind of he's been he's played really well for them the past couple of years and he's this is his senior year his last chance to kind of you know lead this team into the college football playoff I think that's the that's the dream there for them that's yeah. that's what he wants to be able to do and he's he's so close he was on the cusp of it last year and if he does it again I feel like they have it's, to at least it, conserve it's, it's the most there. the most annoying part of it all is no matter how great they play if they lose that game, they are done. Yeah. It's not like they have a safety blanket. They're not Alabama. They're not Notre Dame. They're not LSU. Teams like that where they can afford losing a game. Yeah. They have to win out. And that's what's so unfair for those teams that are in group of five. They can't afford to make one single mistake. Yeah. But a team like Alabama, let's say they lose to Old Miss next week next weekend, they can very well make it back into the college football playoff. It's not it's not fair to those teams. By winning out the rest of the season. And the other thing, sorry, Logan. No, you're fine. What I wanted to bring up about Cincinnati is this game isn't necessarily about Cincinnati. This game is about the group of five, right? Because as you said, Patrick, in the next year or two or whatever, it's gonna be all shaken up. It's gonna up. be all it's gonna be all shaken up. And that's the thing. Cincinnati will go to the Big 12, and then they're going to be, have to be taken seriously, as you said. So it's about group of five opponents. Those teams that are still in there, teams like SMU or, or Fresno State. Fresno State. You know, it's UNLV. Maybe not. not. UNLV. Maybe not. <laughs> not UNLV. But, you know, the thing is. <laughs> You're a being, two for three in Yeah, okay. Facetious. The thing is, is that this game is about the group of five. That's what Cincinnati here is playing for. That's what they represent. In the next year or two, we're not going to necessarily care about what Cincinnati is or what they do because they right now represent the group of five team that everybody is talking about, the team that everybody says is the reason for wanting to have a group of five team in the college football playoff. They are the a couple Boise years State. ago, it was the, UCF. They're the Boise State of 2007-2008. Yeah, that's exactly what they are. and They're the UCF of a couple years ago. I mean, that's that's the situation that we're looking at right now. And so, you know, maybe maybe Cincinnati blows it. Maybe they don't. Maybe it's a great game. I don't know. But next Saturday at 1.30 p.m. Central Time, a lot of people are going to have their All I know is, on. and don't call me uh, a, I don't know what term to really say it, but they're not only going to have to beat Notre Dame, and I'm going to say it, they're going to have to beat the refs too. Yeah. And you've seen it this year, and Notre Dame fans will turn the blind eye. There has been many times where Notre Dame has been bailed out by holding calls that pop out of nowhere or face mask calls or offsides. Or a false start that didn't happen. False starts that don't happen. We saw that against Toledo a lot. Yeah, look at Notre Dame and Toledo. They're really going to have the cards stacked against them. The committee does not want them to win because it's going to make their jobs terrible. It's going to make their jobs hard because if they win, they don't put them in there. And let's say Cincinnati wins out the rest of the year, wins the conference and whatnot, and they beat Notre Dame. They should have no. There is no excuse for not putting them in that top four. Yeah, I, there is none. I am uncomfortable on any stretch of blaming bad officiating for anything. I hate it. I as oh, I hate the it great, as much the as the great, next guy. I believe it was Eric Harris that said this on on the World Series. He said, "If you blame an umpire for a loss, you in fact are a loser." And so I understand that quote, and I believe in that quote, but I cannot overlook as we talked about the game against Toledo is where it really stuck out. Where there were there was a false start penalty, and then there were two false start penalties, and then when you looked at the replay, there was none. And then the broadcasters brought it up, and then they were saying, "Oh, this is kind of strange." You know, there's I'm not seeing anything. And then there were pass interference calls that that weren't there. But you could say a pass interference is debatable all the time, everywhere. Holding calls debatable all the time, everywhere. But Notre Dame a lot of the time got the benefit of the doubt, and that's fine. But a false start is point blank a false start. Okay, it either happened 
or it didn't. It's not maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. It either happened or it didn't, and it didn't happen in that situation multiple times. This is kind of shifting a bit, but I did want to bring up one of the things that Cincinnati does have going for them this season in regards to that is that the top four for the college football playoff feels a lot more open this year. Last year it was kind of like you have Alabama, you have Ohio State, and you have Clemson, and then there's everyone else X for the fourth team. Yeah, so this year we have Alabama one. And that's the only thing that feels kind of Not, fluid. Georgia I, I and Oregon. Even, I would even I would go as far as saying the top four, according to the AP poll, my, my top four right now is Alabama, Georgia, A&M, and Cincinnati. That's my top four. Come at me. Argue at mytwitter.com, at Patrick Herrian. You can come and yell at me. I don't care. Say what you want. But when I'm looking at the AP, it is wide open. Alabama last week, Florida laid the groundwork for how to beat Alabama. 31-29. That is a terrible win for Alabama. You don't want to win that game by that little. Georgia, if you get a fast-moving offense against that defense, that offense cannot keep up. Yes, today they slaughtered Vanderbilt, but so does everyone else. That's not a big hurrah win there. A&M right now is losing to uh, Arkansas, Arkansas by 14 points. Yeah, yeah. that's the point I was trying to make is that besides Alabama, one, even that could change. I d- doubt it will, but even that seems a little fluid. Like you have... Teams floating around there like Georgia, Oregon, even Oregon, will Iowa, Oregon, Penn State. There is a good shot that Oregon loses to USC or UCLA. If they, I have to check their schedule. I don't know mm-hmm. if Oregon plays UCLA this year. But also remember last year, Oregon lost to Oregon State. Iowa, they could very, very well lose to maybe a Wisconsin. I, I have to. I mean, let me look at their. I, I have to look at their schedule this year. If the, for me to really say what's going to happen. Yeah, to, to finish the point I was trying to make, listing all those teams off, you were essentially making my point for me that it feels very fluid in the top ten this year, and even some teams out of there, maybe they move up. I mean, Ole Miss was one we talked about a little bit earlier. To um, We'll see what they can do. But that's it just feels a lot more fluid this year, and it feels a lot more – there's a lot more opportunities for a team like Cincinnati to move up, especially if they do win a marquee matchup like Notre Dame. You want to talk about frauds? Iowa's definitely got to be in that conversation. Iowa's right now losing by seven to Colorado State. Yeah, and it's the third quarter. I don't know if I would necessarily put Iowa in that category yet. Depending on how the rest is, if they go to the fourth quarter, midway through the fourth quarter, and they're still down a touchdown, then there's red flags. Iowa's a team that I I love watching Iowa play. They're fun. They got their big tight ends like they do every year, and they're a good team. I don't know. At five, I, don't I mean, know. five is I don't know if pretty five is, generous. I don't know if five is jumping the gun a little bit. If you want to take a look at what I've got them at, at five. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I guess you're jumping the gun a little bit, huh? I. The thing about them is because of Ohio State and their loss to Oregon. Yeah. And other reasons in there as well. Oklahoma barely beating Nebraska. Really, that's another conversation. There are so many reasons as to why they put them at four. Yeah, I can't put Penn State above them, even though like you can say Penn State had this huge wins against Auburn, but Auburn is not a good team. Auburn yeah. should not be ranked. They are losing right now to Georgia State. So, uh, what quarter is it? It is halftime. Okay, well we that just talked about good. how Colorado State is beating Iowa. And it's a third quarter, so if losing by two possessions, fourth, Auburn is yeah. too. Well, Auburn's to losing by two possessions. It's a little different of a conversation. Well, I mean, anyway. regardless, we'll see. It's something to keep an eye on. Right. Regardless, cool. <coughs> I just, you know, 
Iowa, I look at the the win against Iowa right. State, well, let me ask 10 you, points. Let me ask you some questions. Indiana here, was a good win. Kent State was eh, an interesting win. But now is kind of where I'm concerned. Let me ask you a couple questions here. What? Would you put Oregon in front of them? No. In front of Iowa, I would. Yeah. Would you put Oklahoma in front of Iowa? No. That one's tough. All right. Would you put Penn State in front of Iowa? That's also pretty difficult. Would you put Ohio State I might in front put of Penn Iowa? State in front of them. No, because all Penn right, State. then what, what you're telling me right now is they're Ohio ranked where they're supposed to be. Uh, I, I just and the, that I mean my philosophy will have to stick because they've won all these games and they got to keep doing that. Well, so is so is Oklahoma. Exact. Well, so is Oregon. What you're telling uh, me is you basically agree with me. Uh, that's the problem with saying. That's oh, the problem with saying like. I don't. Here, that's don't the get problem. Don't over there. All That's right, the I, problem with saying that, like, you know, you we had this conversation a few weeks ago, and we don't need to get back into it, but kind of the placing value judgment on on wins, it's not, it's, <coughs> you have to make those judgments because so many teams go undefeated, 11-1, and 10-2, and two, whatever it is, you have to kind of make some of those value judgments down the line just to be able to actually rank these teams. All right, big, this is breaking news here, so get your breaking news supers out. Okay, this is actually this is radio. producing. T- this is radio. We, um, that is a producing yeah. uh, talk. There yeah. we say over at KOMU. Here we so. do. Are we gonna do a drum roll for this here? Those uh, who do not Bit work. Central or no tools. Those uh, who do not work at the sta- at the news stations or at any news station in pro- in the production world are not gonna understand what Michael is talking about. So just avoid all the jargon and get to your point. Do you want okay. me to give you a drum roll here, Michael? Yes, please. This is breaking news on the hot corner. Um, I, I think there, there I, I will concede this. I think that there's always exceptions to every single rule that you, you that you state. You can't just point blank state something and have it always be the case. And I, when I look at Oklahoma and I look at them ranked four, and I looked at the way that they opened up the season, I looked at the way they played against Nebraska, I looked at the way they played against Tulane, not WCU because that was a really good win. But I look at the way that they played Tulane, and I look at the way that they played 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 against Nebraska, and I say to myself, is this team ranked four? Five-point win, seven-point win, and to me, I just don't feel comfortable with that. So I think it is necessary to take a close look at some of these games and to look really hard at what, what happened, what the problems were, and a trend and to take that into account when you're ranking teams. So I will feel uncomfortable, but I think that that's necessary in some cases. What so exactly you, was breaking about that? Yeah, you kind of just confused <laughs> me a little bit. I'm not. I'm saying that you're you're half right in my head, or you're partially right. All right, where would you put Iowa then? I'm asking you a question. I want an answer. Where would you rank Iowa? Not five. All right, but I basically if this, if this basically behavior continues. I asked you questions, and you said you would not put Oklahoma in front of them, Oregon, Penn State, or Ohio State. Well, I was Colorado State has the ball. No, no, without I without Colorado State right now. Tell me right now, would you put Iowa behind Oklahoma, Oregon, Penn State, or Ohio State? No, that's four teams. You're looking at either a five or a six. Depend. I mean, call me crazy and putting Cincinnati at four. I don't care. That's a different conversation in itself. You have to look at what win was worse. Oklahoma's win against Tulane and Nebraska or Iowa's win against Iowa State and Kent State? Iowa has, and to the, me, be- Iowa's Iowa, wins, has, Iowa has the better wins. Yes, they do because they beat Kent State 30-7. to seven, Although Kent State and Tulane 
I, I mean... Even if you, you cast aside that Kent State win, they got the wins against Indiana and Iowa State. Yeah. I mean, I have problems with Iowa State on my own. But Indiana was ranked at the time. They were ranked, yeah. So, you know, that's also something to look at. I I don't know. I mean, they beat, they beat two ranked opponents. Oklahoma, I think, beat no ranked opponents. Oklahoma is a team, and I have gone out in this hill. I have wrote it out on my article. Oklahoma is a fraud. Okay? That's, that's what you can say about yeah. <laughs> you, you. You can't tell me. That you expect a deep playoff run out of this team if they can barely beat Nebraska, a team that has been irrelevant for over seven years. Yeah. You cannot tell me that this team is a top four team if they can barely beat Nebraska and they struggle against Tulane. Yeah. That is inexcusable. Yeah. And Tulane basically outplaying in every stretch of the mind, you know, Pratt outplaying Rattler was a big story in that game. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, 296 yards. Rattler having a rough game, better completion percentage through two interceptions, though, and only one touchdown and 304 yards. It, it was not a solid game out of him. And Rattler, eight carries for seven yards in terms of his dual threat aspect of it, which was not good. Uh, the do- He did carry for one touchdown in that game. But, again, you know, when, when – Pratt is outplaying when Michael Pratt is outplaying Spencer Rattler. Uh, that is a very, very big thing to look at. I, I don't put too much stock in a defense because it's the Big 12, but I also think that that's something you really have to take into account offensively, at least. All right, we're going to take a quick break here, but when we come back, we are going to do our lightning round and perhaps break down another college football game here in our corner on KCU.fm and KCU.fm. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. All across the nation, we are here for our communities. We're doing our part to get supplies where it's needed in order to fight COVID-19 together. It feels good to be out there to assist our community. I would like our friends and family to know that your National Guardsmen are always ready and always there. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association and this station. It is going to be a fun night for college football. Now, we've had a lot of great games earlier today. Shout out Bowling Green for their first FBS victory since 2019 over Akron. Today, they beat Group of Five. I mean, uh, Power Five. Power? I don't know what to consider. Minnesota for their first FBS victory in two years. And it's also the first time they've won back-to-back games since 2017. So shout out Bowling Green. It's going to be a fun time in the city down there tonight in Kentucky. So shout out to them. I Actually, no, that's Ohio. Shout out to Bowling Green, Ohio on that one. So talking a little bit about some scores as we go down to the home stretch of our show today. Iowa State still losing to Baylor by 8 points, 21-13. Illinois and Purdue are tied. Shout out, Illinois. And Iowa is tied out. Colorado State, 14-14. Clemson, North Carolina still tied with 9.5 minutes remaining in the third quarter. And that's 
really all the big scores are going on right now in the half right now actually at the beginning of the third quarter arkansas has the ball up 17 to 3 against texas a&m and big is surprised right now georgia state up 12 over ap number 23 auburn so gentlemen we have a couple minutes before we break down the rest of the games today and i want to ask you if you had to pick any of the remaining games for the night slate today which one are you most excited about Logan. Is it clear that we were not ready for this question exactly? <laughs> well, I'm sorry. You got to be prepared when I ask questions here on the show. Okay. <laughs> that seemed a little overly aggressive. I'm just going to be honest with you. I Come have on. one mother. I don't need two. Thank you very much. All right. All right. Well, since you guys are researching, I'm going to go first. And the game that I'm most excited for is West Virginia, Oklahoma. And I'll tell you a little bit why. West Virginia upset Virginia Tech last week. So... They have something for them. Something about that team is fun to watch. Now, there are 7.5-point dogs over Oklahoma, so are they really that bad? Are they actually good? Oklahoma is going to, in my opinion, going to win this game by a touchdown. It's going to be a very close game. It's a 6.30 game on ABC, so you're going to want to keep your channel tuned to that one for the late-night game because, honestly, other than maybe... North Carolina, Georgia Tech, after Georgia Tech's performance last week against Clemson, maybe Kansas State and Oklahoma State, if you happen to have ESPN+, Plus, there really isn't many other games that are worth your time. Yeah, that was actually a real nice segue into the one I was going to talk about, which is Georgia Tech, North Carolina, because I feel like it's kind of, it can be a prove-it game for both teams, right? After the way Georgia Tech played against Clemson last week, they only lost by a score. They're one that isn't necessarily on high alert but you're watching them like okay where if where when do they potentially sneak into the rankings it's one to at least watch especially if they do end up beating north carolina who is a team that really needs to prove themselves themselves they've looked like a team the past few weeks that have lost a lot of starters on offense michael carter javante williams daz newsom and diami brown obviously sam howell is really the only one that's left in terms of their skill positions so something to watch there in terms of where those two teams could leave or enter the rankings i think it's a really intriguing matchup okay i'm gonna go with southern miss alabama no okay i was gonna say if you're talking that you can just walk out the door you can just walk out the door i'm gonna say ucla and stanford i'm kind of interested in this game i wouldn't say i'm tremendously excited about it but i think the interesting thing about stanford is is they picked up that one against usc a 14 point victory and then they destroyed well destroyed probably generous an 18 point victory over vanderbilt um, but they're playing ranked UCLA. I'm interested to see what happens in that game. I think Stanford may give them a run for their money, or UCLA can put a beat down on them. Who knows? But, um, you know, it'll be an interesting game, game to watch. Stanford's if you happen to have it. the Pac-12 network, you might want to tune that one, given our uh, analyzation from our college football analyst, Michael Imami, on the show here. So we got 26 games to pick here in our last segment of the show. It is also known as my favorite part of Sports Saturday, especially during the college football season. It is the lightning round. So at the 5 o'clock slot on ESPN+, Plus, we got Buffalo against Old Dominion. Buffalo played a great game against, against Coastal Carolina last week, only lost by three points. Buffalo a 13-point favorite. I got Buffalo winning this one. I've got Buffalo as well. I'm going to say Buffalo. At another 5 o'clock slot, there really isn't much point to talk about this one. East Carolina against Charleston Charleston Southern, East Carolina. East, East Carolina. Carolina. UCLA, Stanford, I got UCLA. 
UCLA, I'm going to go with just because they're ranked. I've got UCLA That is as well. a terrible, <laughs> terrible reason why. Yeah. Next game, a little sunbelt action here. I Louisiana taking off. on Georgia Southern. Louisiana started the season ranked. They got slaughtered by Texas and dropped out. Georgia Southern's kind of been an interesting triple option offense there. I got Louisiana winning this one. I got Louisiana winning as well. I've got the Cajuns. All right, we got a battle for both of these teams' first victories here. Texas Southern taking on Rice. Rice is a terrible FBS program. has not been relevant for a very long time. I've got... Rice winning this one reluctantly. I'm going to say Rice as well. I'll take Rice at home. All right, Kansas State, Oklahoma State. We talked a little bit about this game. Two teams are on the brink of being ranked. Oklahoma State has been thrown around, got some votes in earlier in the week, and Kansas State making its way back into the AP Top 25. Both teams are going to be fun to watch. If you've got ESPN Plus, I'd recommend this one. I've got Kansas State winning this one. I'm going to say Oklahoma State. I like Mike Gundy a lot. I was going to say Oklahoma State as well, actually. He's a man. He's over 40. And we got another <laughs> 6 o'clock game here. ESPNU, Navy taking on Houston. Both of these teams are average. Navy's actually horrendous. So Houston should have an easy victory in this one. If they can stop the triple option, their history against triple option, not too good. If you remember them losing 73-10 to against Army in a bowl game a few years ago. I've got Houston winning this one. I think you have to pick Houston in this game. You have to be two-dimensional, and Navy is not that. Yeah, Houston's a no-brainer there. Nebraska, Michigan State, a little big, big 10 action here. Michigan State making its way back into the rankings for the first time in a little bit. And a nice three-game <coughs> win streak. Nebraska played Oklahoma State, oh, excuse me, Oklahoma very well last week. If they would have made their field goals, they would have lost by one point. So, really close game. Honestly, I got Michigan State winning this one. I'm going to have Michigan State winning it as well. I'm also going to have Michigan State. All right, a little conference USA action here. North Texas against Louisiana Tech. Two teams, one and two. North Texas will be coming down here in a few weeks for homecoming, so keep your eyes peeled for that one. If you want to see a little outlook and to see how North Texas plays, I've got Louisiana Tech. I'm going to say Louisiana Tech as well. Louisiana Tech. We've got back-to-back SEC's games here. Tennessee and Florida. Florida played great against Alabama last week. Didn't move any spots in the AP. I've got Florida. I'm going to say Florida as well. Yep, Florida. Another one, Kentucky, South Carolina. Two teams that are really potentially making their way into rankings conversations, especially Kentucky. If they win this one, they'll definitely get some votes tomorrow. I've got Kentucky. Got Kentucky as well. All right. There really isn't much to talk about. The next one, Akron, Ohio State. Ohio State is going to slaughter Akron because Akron has not beaten an FBS school in a little bit. So, Ohio State. Ohio State. I'm going to give you a score prediction as well. 70 to nothing. Ohio State, 65 to 3. All right, North Carolina, Georgia Tech, Logan's game you want to watch there. Georgia Tech played Clemson very close last week. I honestly thought a little bit of an upset there. North Carolina got upset by Virginia Tech in the beginning of the season. I don't believe in their number 21 next to their name. I don't have them ranked. They have them in the first three out in my ranking. So North Carolina, Georgia Tech, I've got Georgia Tech in an upset. I got North Carolina. I was going to say Georgia Tech as well, just because I really liked what they showed me last week against Clemson. Another 6.30 slot on SEC Network, a game you do not want to watch. Southern Miss against Alabama, a 45-point underdog Southern Miss. There is no shot they win this game, so Alabama. Alabama as well. Alabama. Big 6.30 <coughs> o'clock game here on ABC. West Virginia taking on Oklahoma at Oklahoma. I kind of forgot the name of the city they're in. I should know this by heart. Oklahoma is a fraud. West Virginia upset Virginia Tech last weekend. Great game there. I've got West Virginia. I'm going to say West Virginia as well. Well, um, Also, I just want to point out, you said 6.30 o'clock when you said the time for the game. 6.30 o'clock. Whatever. Hey, Oklahoma. For some more group of five action here, we got Air Force against Florida Atlantic University. I love the Air Force. Too bad they don't run the air raid because it just fits. I've got Air Force win this one. I'm going to say Air Force as well. All right, 7 o'clock. The Hawaii Rainbow Warriors taking on the abysmal New Mexico State Aggies. 
with their mascot of a guy with guns, which does not really fit the Aggie model there. So, easy, easy, easy 17-point favorite for Hawaii. They look to get their second win tonight. I've got Hawaii. Hawaii as well. Yep, Hawaii. All right, we got nine games left here. We're going to kind of get to them fast. Indiana, Western Kentucky. Indiana's going to easily win this one. Indiana. Indiana, easy. Troy against the University of Louisiana Monroe. Louisiana Monroe is a terrible, terrible team. Troy, well, he's going to take them on all by himself. Troy wins. I'm going to go with uh, High School Musical on this one. <laughs> 7 o'clock game. University of Alabama, Birmingham taking on Tulane. Tulane is a good, sneaky conference USA team. They played great against Oklahoma. And really, they have a shot to maybe win a conference USA title on this one. I've got Tulane. I got a two-lane highway to victory. That I'm, is riding, a I'm riding the green wave on this one. Oh, Lord. <laughs> New Mexico against University of Texas, El Paso. New Mexico, very average out in the Mountain West. UTEP. <laughs> They're fine, too. But two teams I really do not do not know much about. I've got UTEP winning this one. They're only a two-point underdog. So, hey. I'm going to go with UTEP as well. I was also going to take UTEP. California-Washington is their 8:30 Pac-12 game of the week. you got California, who's been average at best, and Washington, who's most famous for losing to Montana when they were ranked. Washington, a seven-point seven favor in this one. Honestly, I can't really pick against them. California is just really not that good. I'm going to say the same. I was also going to go with Washington. Also, I like that their um, name of their field is Alaska Airlines Field at Husky Stadium. It's beautiful. <laughs> and the other 915 ESPN2 slot here, South Florida taking on number 15 BYU. BYU and Gunnar Romney, really, really fun team to watch. I thought they were going to be a little bit of a rebuild this year, but they have really proved me wrong. 23.5-point favorites over South Florida. BYU, easy win. BYU. BYU. All right, last three games. We've got Arizona against Oregon. Oregon really taking the college football world by storm, taking control of the Pac-12, and it really is in their hands to determine where, what slot they want to be in and if they want to make the college football playoffs. So Oregon, Arizona, easy win by Oregon. Quack, quack. I'm going with the Ducks. <laughs> I've got Oregon as well. All right, 930, Colorado against Arizona State. If you remember last weekend, Colorado played Texas A&M, or excuse me, a few weekends ago. Colorado played great against Texas A&M. They are a 14-point underdog against Arizona State, who recently lost to BYU and dropped out of the rankings. So, Colorado, upset. Colorado. I'll take Arizona State. I'll go and with the final game of the night, a Pac-12 matchup on FS1. Oregon State out of Corvallis traveling down to Los Angeles to take on USC. USC, 11-point favorite, trying to sneak their way back into the top 25. USC will take care of the Beavers in this one. Oregon State. I'm going USC. All right. And you're here first. And that is the end of another edition of the Hot Corner. Make sure you to follow us on our social media page at Hot Corner Sports. You can follow yours truly at Patrick Aaron Logan at Living Like Logan and Michael at Eva. I mean, Michael. Also, make sure to check us out on our Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or any other podcast services that you get your podcast from. This is the Hot Corner. Hope you have a wonderful Saturday. We will see you on Thursday, 8 o'clock. Be there sharp. Same place, same time. See you then. Have a great week. Just